Welcome to the Amazon Legends podcast, where we have real stories about making it big on Amazon. Our guests are CEOs of large companies and entrepreneurs who became powerful sellers, also experts specializing in helping sellers, and both former and current Amazon employees who will give us an insight from behind the scenes. Here's your host, Nick Urison. Welcome to another episode of Amazon Legends. My next guest today spent over a decade building all kinds of challenging online businesses. And one of them actually includes building a shoe care products business during the pandemic when nobody wore shoes. So we were all at home, you know, without shoes, and this guy was building a shoe care product business. So today he's the CEO of Red Moose. By the way, that business survived. And today, He's an eight-figure Amazon seller in shoe care products. So um, when he's not working, he likes to ski, bike, and also all types of sports. So with that, everybody, meet my guest, uh, Mordecai Hoffman. Welcome to the show, Mordecai. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me on today. Looking forward to chatting. Oh, yeah. Uh, So this being in shoe care business, you know, we were in the opposite ends because you were in a business where nobody wore, uh, nobody needed the product. And I ended up working with a client who sold masks. So <laughs> being in the uh, opposite ends of the spectrum. So um, when you and I discussed, you, um, I asked you a question about what something you're doing really well. And you brought up the A-plus content, so leveraging the A-plus content. So this is a this is a, a an extremely high-value piece of content that Amazon offers. But uh, I'd love to hear your take on it, how you leverage it. Yeah, so obviously A-plus content is given to any brand that is brand registered. Um, but we just noticed that Amazon released a new updated and revamped brand story and that's what we doubled down on recently so the brand story uh, let's break this down because when you go to uh, as you mentioned you have to be brand registered so you have to be on brand registry and and then you will have and and then by the way there is one other thing that's important is your seller account needs to be connected to your brand registry account, right? Because if that's not the case, your seller account will be perceived as a reseller of a brand. So so as long as you, because your A-plus content is administered inside the seller central account. So um, for the listener's benefit, you know, this is extremely important and in the old days, old days like about maybe three months or six months ago, um, it was tricky to connect the Seller Central account to the brand registry account. Now they have another feature where you can, it is a lot easier, put it that way, with the usernames and everything else. So assuming that you do that and then you are invited to brand registry and then you connect your Seller Central account, you go to advertising section, and there you have A-plus content. When you go there, the standard A-plus content has seven modules, right? Correct. So walk us through where the brand story is and how you leverage it. So under the A-plus content section, there is another additional section called brand story. 
And until now, the brand story was just one image with three small paragraphs about the brand, which we had set up a couple of years back. But most customers never noticed that. It was right under, you know, when you start scrolling where Amazon recommends frequently purchased together products. So under that section, they would have about the brand. And a couple of months ago, they launched this revamped brand story, which gives you the capability of creating a, a gorgeous background on that section and then a ton of little modules and that actually plug into your storefront, into the sections and categories, into the storefront. So you're giving customers a more visual way of browsing the rest of your catalog, and then you're linking them to that section in your storefront. And as soon as we launched that, we've seen a massive spike in visitors going to our storefront and an increase in sales in addition coming through our storefront as well. Cross-sell opportunities. So you're just unlocking another way of giving customers the rest of your catalog. So let's talk about the impact. So what you are talking about is driving people to your storefront, the Amazon storefront. Um, but also that brand story appears on the listings, right? Correct. Yes, it is on the listing page. It's right above the product description section, which if you have A plus content enabled, it's going to be right above that. So you can go to our Red Moose Cream Polish page where we have the brand story enabled and we have pre regular A plus content right under there. So it's just like, it looks like a postcard in a sense when you notice it. And we have like a nice background with our brand watermark on there. And then there's a couple of like little cards over it in a carousel format that you can just scroll through. Uh, as far as the, the listing, the impact on the listing, how do you measure the impact of that brand story? Are, are you able to... Are you able to run experiments? Because Amazon now has those experiments. Are you able to run experiments? Not yet. The brand story is there just to really give the customer more context about the brand and show them, you know, the, the breadth of the Amazon catalog that they have there. So for us, we're using it as a way to show customers additional products that they might not have seen from our brand, upsell them and keep them in our ecosystem of buying products related to the one that they're shopping for. Okay. So this obviously requires a little bit more work on the storefront aspect of it, right? Correct. Yep. You, you have to customize your storefront and create those sections and subsections in order to guide the customer to where you want them to shop. Okay, so uh, this brand story, share with us what kind of resources are needed? Because if you don't know anything and you are basically an iPhone guy and, you know, you take pictures with iPhone and you don't know anything, um, how much uh, skill is needed to create your brand story section? The brand story section is pretty simple and straightforward to set up. It's just I, it, I believe it relies very heavily on visual imagery right? You have to get their attention, right? If you're just going to take a shot on your phone and post it there, it's not really going to draw them in. So you want those pictures to really catch their attention. And they'll be like, hey, wait, let me see this other product that I didn't see before. Let me see what else they have here. What What is this? And that's that's it's working really well. I see. So based on your experience, what I'm hearing is you are better off first creating your Amazon storefront and then spice it up and then 
created almost as a, a way anticipating that people will click from the brand story and, and come to your storefront so that this is what you would want to show any visitor. That's the way to kind of choreograph the whole traffic, right? Correct. Yeah, the storefront should be the foundation of any brand on Amazon. Any company that's looking to have a proper presence on Amazon, the absolute must is, is a storefront. Um, because when people are shopping for, for one specific product, right, they find their solution and they end up purchasing it, especially on Amazon. It's easy to just add to cart or even buy it now. But when you start creating a more in-depth product page and you have a large catalog, for you, you really want to get those customers into your storefront, which is, quote unquote, a website, a, a micro website on the Amazon platform. So, and, and you want to make it easier for the customer to browse that website, right? Just like any regular D2C website, you really focus on the conversion and, and the shopping experience. It's the same thing with Amazon. So if you're not focused on the storefront, step one is, is make sure your storefront is up to par. And then after that, drive additional traffic to your storefront via the brand story. Yeah. Um, just playing the devil's advocate a little bit for based on my own personal experience. So as you know, if you do nothing, then Amazon will give you one of those generic, you know, if you go yeah. to the click, click uh, the, the seller store brand front, name. Yeah, uh, it will simply go to, uh, if you like a search results page right. of the seller's products only. Uh, in addition, in the search box, you suddenly see the, the department drop-down turn into just the seller's name. So that way, you are only browsing through the seller's products. So that's what you get. If you do nothing and you just simply create your listings and then bang, you know, that's a storefront that you get. Now, when you create your own storefront, you can have that a lot more sophisticated with a lot of imagery you can create your own if you like uh, navigation with yep. different departments and things like that so my point is i find those sophisticated storefronts much harder to navigate because they lock you into only what you can click right so yeah there's there's a couple of different ways to look at it, right? What's the point of a storefront? The point is to get people to see the rest of your catalog and increase their order value, right? They're starting out with one product. You want them to buy as many as possible. So you have to really get into the customer's mind and figure out, hey, what did they click in through? And what are they looking for? And what else might they be interested in? So for, for us, someone comes with an individual jar of shoe polish, right? We don't want them to buy just one jar. We want them to buy the brushes that go with it, the cloth that goes with it. So we'll send them along the journey of, hey, you bought leather, a leather care product. Here's the rest of the leather care products that work well with that product that you're purchasing, right? Or sneaker care. If someone's looking for a sneaker cleaner, we'll show them some other products that are related to that category. And we'll break it out into very simple and easy visual ways for them to navigate the storefront. So when you're giving a page of, of search results, right, there's no way to sort and filter and really find what you need pretty quickly. It's right. It's just a matter of just scrolling through the pages. There's nothing that really catches your attention. But when you have a well laid out and designed storefront, you're enhancing the customer's experience and 
by default, you're going to have larger cart values from that. Yeah, yeah. So, so what I'm really hearing is the storefronts, well-designed storefronts, will help you upsell more. Right. And uh, uh, are you familiar with the buy it together function? Yes. So, share with us some of that experience because I'd love to hear. Because there is an algorithm, right? Correct. Yeah. So the algorithm is really hard to crack. Um, but so there's, there's another functionality that you have. If you do have an Amazon rep, so you, you can't tap into that frequently purchased together. That's only the algorithm. But what we've had is on the side of our products in the, in the buy box section, it says like goes well together with, and again, depending on the product category, it'll say like a similar language to it where you can upsell one product that works well with your product. So for us, we've seen a lot of customers buying the shoe polish together with a pack of brushes and a cloth. We'll upsell that and it actually helped increase sales and, and create that kind of like frequently bought together. And then by default, the algorithm noticed that people were buying that together. So it suggested it on the bottom in that section. Um, that, that was one way that we did it because we had our account rep Another way to do it is like buy one, get one, get 50% off this product or buy one, get one free. Or again, even with the storefront, I believe the storefront is feeding that information to the algorithm and saying, hey, customers are buying these two together. Let's suggest it in the bottom section. Yeah. So uh, a couple of things you said. First of all, that goes well together. And you mentioned the account rep. What What is that? the account rep was able to do? How do you get that? So if you sign up for SAS, which is Amazon's offering that they give, um, it's it's account managed services. I think you pay uh, $2,500 a month, give or take. I don't remember the exact amount it was, but this account rep helps you get deal placements. They help you out with ad campaigns. And then one of the things that they can do is get that, you know, pr uh, purchase together a product implemented in the buy box for you. It's not for every category, though. Yeah, yeah. You know what I uh, what I heard. I don't know how. It's one of the guests actually mentioned it. You can trigger that algorithm if you purchase multiple times. If two products or multiple products are purchased multiple uh, multiple times uh, together, then it triggers that buy it together algorithm. And uh, the 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 second thing you mentioned just a minute ago that that I heard uh, is the promotion. So you can create a promotion and make it publicly visible. That's where you're talking about. You know, you can Correct. buy one get one free kind of stuff. So uh, perhaps creating a promotion that pr uh, promotes a product to go with another product at a discount that will then trigger enough of those that ultimately would am lead Amazon to circulate as a buy it together. Absolutely. Yeah, there's so many ways. I mean, I don't think that, you know, there is this one person at Amazon that knows all these capabilities, right? So, <laughs> so you know what I want to talk to you about is now that you uh, uncovered this, yeah, brand story and different ways to get uh, upsells. Let's talk about the analytics that you track. 
so that you know how the listing is performing. So share with us what numbers are you watching and, and what those numbers should be. So we're a very profit-first business. Um, throughout my 10-year career of doing Amazon, my number one focus has always been profit instead of sales numbers. Like there's there's no trick in selling $5 million worth on Amazon, but ending up with nothing in your bank account at the end of the month. Um, so for us, when we create products, we want to make sure that we have a large enough profit margin in there to accommodate for the cost of shipping, packaging materials, warehouse, labor, advertising costs, right? Everything has to be you know, put into that calculation in order to make sure that we hit our target goals. So for us, we've always been looking for a 25% profit margin after everything. Um, and, and we're pretty close to it. We're pretty on like par and we make sure that we price our products accordingly, right? So over the last two years, product costs have gone up significantly. But the beauty of it was that when we started with our product and our brand, we made sure to give ourselves enough of a buffer zone in the beginning to only have to increase our prices slightly as the costs were going up because we fed that into the data in the beginning. Um, so for us, there's actually a software that I use on a day-to-day -day basis. It's called ConnectBooks. It's a very simple software. That is our profit dashboard. And that is our numbers dashboard. It pulls in everything, including Amazon ads, down to the SKU. So I can see exactly what I'm spending per SKU and per product. And it just gives me an overview of my business to know where I'm standing. Am I hitting my target goals? Am I hitting up my ROIs? Am I, is my sell-through increasing or decreasing, right? And then we can make those decisions um, based on that data. Hey, is this product, is it slowing down due to competition or is it just a seasonal decrease, right? Is it a daily decrease? We have some products that do better on some days versus others. Uh, we've seen a spike in sales over the weekend. People go out, they get dressed, they notice our, their shoes are dirty. So they buy product when they notice that. So it's Saturday, Sunday, we see that spike. Um, so that is like our go-to dashboard. It's We use Amazon Seller Central, the backend SKU Central, together with ConnectBooks to give us that overview. I see. So as far as, so this is the overall. So let's break down what you mentioned. So you want to have a 25% net margin after advertising, after everything, right? Yeah. So uh, if working backwards, whatever your selling price is, what is the margin on the purchase of the product, the cost of goods sold, so to speak? Yeah. What do you hope to get it for? What is the number? So it, it fluctuates based on the product. We have some products which are individual units, right? So there's only that much that we can mark it up by because it's one single item. But the money where you can really make money at, and I believe most sellers, most Amazon sellers know this, is by creating kits. When you create those custom kits, you're adding value to the product and you're giving it to the consumer as at a quote unquote discount in price because they're buying the kit. But at the end of the day, you have a much larger profit margin in there by putting together that custom kit. Um, so if you look at our website, you look at our Amazon storefront, for us, our number one drivers, our, our most popular items are those kits where we have that flexibility of giving a better discount, a better price to the customer, but we have much larger profit margins. So 
we don't have a set number based on our full catalog. It's product by product basis. Okay. So let's take one of those kits. What is the landed cost of the items in that kit? Typically? So our products are made in USA. We don't have the freight costs from China. So that's something that we, we kind of save a bit on. Um, we're paying a little more of a premium because the products are made in the U.S., but it's it makes up for that shipping cost over there. The handling time as well, our turnaround time could be two to four weeks sometimes from a manufacturer. So um, it gives us that flexibility. The next thing is the FBA cost. So FBA fee. So FBA fee is just the shipping fee, just looking at the shipping fee. Um, Amazon has this uh, virtual bundle, virtual kit yeah. capability. Have you tested that? Have you tried that? Do you use it? We've tested it in the past. Um, and originally when they launched it, I believe it was probably like two, three years ago, it didn't really do much for us. You weren't able to advertise it. You weren't able to really customize it. It was just like putting two products together on a product page and it wasn't optimized for the platform. Um, we started testing it out again recently, a couple of weeks ago, and we're still trying to tweak it and find the optimal way of doing it. But I believe for us, like we have better margins and it's just easier for us to create a listing for a kit that we design in-house and just send it to Amazon that way. Um, so it's not been like a core focus for us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you're right. What I found is that what I usually recommend my clients is absolutely go try the virtual bundling just for testing purposes. Proof of concept. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, a two-pack, three-pack, you know, three-piece kit, two-piece, you know, whichever one is going to do best without really having to do the extra work physically to create those individual. Uh, but I say to them always, tell me if you agree, this is not a long-term solution. Primarily because if you create a virtual bundle of, let's say, three items, you're going to pay the FBA fee on each one of those three, yeah. right? But when you create that physical bundle, then, you know, you may in fact pay the same FBA fee on that single one, especially if you have small items. So that is the primary reason why I say, you know, this is not a long-term solution, but absolutely go test and see which one is going to do better. Uh, so, do you follow that or do you just go straight for the physical kit and then send it out? To so we, we, we have an in-house fulfillment center. We're, we're shipping everything from our warehouse. So we have the flexibility of testing out any kind of kit we want, which is what we do. And we can create kits on the fly. We have great photography. We, we do everything and we just create that listing. Um, if we see, we'll send in a limited amount of kits. If we see that it's not selling well, we can just pull it back and kill the listing. If it starts picking up pretty quickly, we can send in a shipment and it can be received same day by Amazon. So there's no reason for us not to get the full listing up and running. I see. So uh, do you use FBA only when something is selling steady or do you use FBM across the board? We do FBA. 95% of our listings are FBA, but we create a, we package everything in our warehouse because we create the kits on our own. We bring in the components from the manufacturer, we put it together in our warehouse, and then we ship it out to FBA. 
Okay, I understand. Yeah, I mean that's uh, if you have the capability, that's another another way. And you are really you are doing uh, almost like virtual bundle, except that you know you are doing it in house. Yeah. Uh, so okay, now the other question that I get asked all the time. Is it better to create these bundles as a variation or is it better to list them individually? That's the age-old uh, discussion with, with Amazon sellers. I've been going back and forth with my friends and who knows, uh, for, for 10 years we've been discussing it. And I always say test it out. Like there's no way to know for a certainty if it's going to sell better on its own or as a bundle. Uh, or as a variation. But the thing is, you really have to make sure if you're listing it as a variation, that it's a legitimate variation, right? Because otherwise, you're going to confuse the customer. They're coming to a product page where we're going to have a shoe polish kit listed. If we're going to put on a sneaker kit, the customer is going to be like, what's going on here? What what are they selling? What's this listing for? And also, your keywords are going to get a little confusing over there. Um, so let's say our regular shoe polish kit, we have a four color variation, meaning we have a kit with black and brown polish, black polish, brown, and then black and neutral. We have that as a variation listing of a color variation. Um, one thing we do though, is on our individual shoe polish listing, we added in a variation of brushes as like one of the options. And it's a great upsell. It's, it's not officially part of TOS because it's not the same product. But we put it in there two and a half years ago. Amazon hasn't removed it or caused any issues. So we're leaving there for the time being. Um, but in regards to that, like you really have to think of, well, launch strategy for a variation. It's going to work really well because you're getting those instant reviews there. It has weight to the listing. But then mm -hmm. again, when a customer is searching for it, it might not pop up as the first result. Right. So test it out. That's what I say. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there is no single answer to anything on Amazon. So testing always is a good idea. One, one thing I always advocate for, especially for brand new launches, is the, the reviews. The, the oh, fact that variations inherit those reviews. However, there is another interesting uh, idea that was presented by one of the agencies actually the, the i forget his name but they uh, what they do is they launch the listings individually if the price point allows you so if it's a lower ticket item uh, they they launch the listings individually and then they enroll them in the vine program one at a time which allows you to get up to 30 reviews so after they get their 30 reviews on each one they combine and uh, now, bang, you've got 90 reviews immediately, which is a huge deal, of course, right? Yeah, it's something I used to do with the early review program, and I still do it with Vine. I, I create the listing. You don't have to launch it. Just create the listing. Make sure you send an inventory for it. And as Amazon sees, you know, the inventory is coming in. If you have in stock, sometimes they might put it, you know, as available. Um, or you can do a future launch date. Get those reviews from Vine and then combine it as variation listing and then go live with it. So you're starting off with, with a leg up. So I just heard you mention something I didn't know. 
So can you assign a future launch date, but start the Vine program before the launch date? I've done it with a couple of products. It worked sometimes. I'm not saying it's always going to work. It's worked. I guess, you know, maybe it glitched. I don't know exactly why, but I've had it where I did, you know, like a pre-order date, right? In stock, down the road, got the Vine reviews and while it was still there. So you can try it out. That's an interesting point. I never thought about it because I thought that you you have to launch the listing. Uh, you have to have inventory. The the other question on the Vine program is, you know, you get up to 30 reviews. That's basically what you're paying for. So uh, let's say that you enroll 20 pieces. And then, you know, you get your reviews. Can you enroll the remaining 10 again or not? I think once you enroll a certain amount, I think it's locked in at that amount. I haven't, I generally set the max number. So I've never tried with messing around on the numbers available over there, the quantities available. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm wondering about that. I don't want to ask Amazon, but uh, this is because uh, another client uh, had this situation. We created the listing and I asked them to send 72 pieces. And with the intention that the first 30 would be enrolled in the Vine program, I figured, you know, let's send this off and then start the, the, the campaign and then replenish for more the following week. And they made a mistake and they sent 24. So yeah. we put the whole 24 in the Vine program. Overnight, they got <laughs> vacuumed out. <laughs> Overnight. I've never seen it so fast. <laughs> so, uh, so now, now that the listing is launched and everything is, you know, kind of become production, so right. to speak. Um, I'm now wondering. I wonder if we can put that extra six in and then get more reviews. Yeah, just hop in there, see see if they allow it. But I, yeah. for me, like reviews are currency, especially in Amazon. You cannot start without it. So I just enroll the max possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there's no question. Plus, you pay for this program once, and then it's for 30 reviews, but it takes a long time for you to get the 30. So it depends on the product, yeah. Sometimes I've seen them, like, trickle in slowly, and some products, like, we got 10 reviews within a few days. So, yeah. Wow, that's that's good. Yeah, I mean, definitely, Vine, Vine program, without a doubt, Unless it's a high ticket item. Yeah. Uh, so uh, one client I had, they, their items are, they, they sell different variations and one variation, uh, two sets of variations. One is like $700. The other is like 450 So when I mentioned the Vine products, it's absolutely not. <laughs> yes. Not worth it for, for those high ticket price items. It's, it's, it's rough, but. You do need some reviews. Like if, if even if I was selling those high items, I would, you know, give away five of them. Get something, right, to just get started. If you're selling with zero reviews, your odds of getting clicked through and bought is very low. If you're yeah. gonna start showing three, four, but they're all like four or five star reviews, you're gonna see that conversion go up. Yeah. So you, you just mentioned one of my favorite words, conversion. So let's talk about conversion. So first, let's define conversion to you because people 
mean different things by conversion. So tell me what is your take on conversion? How do you define it? By me, ultimately, we need the customer clicking through on the product page and, and checking it out, checking it out. That's that's the bottom line, right? Um, with people like if you're going to push traffic to your page, but they're not converting, your product is going to be ranked lower on the page, right? That's that's pretty obvious. So we're trying to give as much information as possible to get that impulse buy at the cart checkout done. That's what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. And how do you track conversion? So whatever Amazon gives us at the, at the, in the back end, right? Now they're releasing, they're giving you more and more data as the day goes by, which is which is unbelievable. Over the last 10 years, I don't think Amazon has given us more information as they've given us over the last year or two. Like with, yep. with the brand section, brand analytics, in the advertising section, they started giving product breakdowns, right? Like there's so much data to sift through that I'm still trying to learn everything that they released over the last few months. Um, so it's really, it's, it's tough for us, right? So again, some of our products are, are seasonal. So the conversion rate fluctuates, right? During the summer, people are not buying a waterproof spray as much as they are during the winter. So we know that that conversion number is going to fluctuate throughout the year. Um, so we're just using as, as, you know, as whatever Amazon is giving us to the fullest extent. And when you say whatever Amazon is giving you, uh, where, where is the, because as you know, there's so many different places in Seller Central. What is your source? Where do you pick up the conversion data? So I'm, I'm going into um, brand analytics. I like the brand analytics section. Um, there's, I look at, at our brand as a holistic view. I don't want to look at it as a product per product view because we're running off Amazon advertising as well, right? Let's say we're pushing on, on Facebook, we're pushing on, on Google, we're pushing, we're doing organic social media on Instagram, TikTok, right? So we're, we're creating this brand awareness. And because a customer sees an ad for a Red Moose shoe polish, doesn't mean that they're specifically going to buy just that jar of shoe polish because they saw the ad for it. They might go to Amazon and type in Red Moose shoe care or Red Moose sneaker care, right? It can be a, a variety of words. So we want to see that lift that our brand is getting. And we want to see that overall, our brand is converting and not necessarily just that individual product. So yeah, we'll, we'll look at the conversion stati statistics from an advertising standpoint and make sure our ads are working well for those keywords. But we want to see, right, there's the brand search term report that Amazon gives you. And I keep a daily look at that. I want to see what my Red Moose search term is ranking for and, and how we're converting compared to our competitors. So that's what I'm looking at from my perspective. You know, every other brand has, if they're not doing off Amazon advertising, then they have other conversion numbers to look at. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah. So uh, if you are monitoring also external advertising, yeah, you must be using the attribution Correct. reports, right? So one thing that I always recommend is look at your total sales and, and then break that down into three different buckets. One is your paid ad sales. Right. The other is your external sales. 
And then external sales being external traffic that you advertised outside Amazon, brought to your listing, and then made the sale. And the third one is organic. Yep. So are you, uh, do you track this or uh, you haven't broken down that way? So attribution is probably one of the hardest things when you're a brand that also sells off of Amazon and you're advertising on multiple different channels because there's so many touch points that a consumer goes through, right? They're scrolling Instagram and they see an ad, not necessarily are they clicking through the ad, but then the next time they're on Google, they'll see another ad and they'll be like, hey, wait, let me see what Red Moose is about. And then instinctively, what do 95% of Americans do when they're shopping for a product? They go to Amazon and they type in the product that they just saw instead of buying it through the ad or the website. So attribution is probably the biggest web that, especially after iOS 14 came out, right? They changed that you can't track anymore. There's a couple of different tools that, that are out there in the real world. We use a, a tool called Triple Whale. It's specifically made for D2C brands that tries to track attribution. It tries. It's very hard to give a definitive answer. Um, but they do plug in Amazon data as well. They plug in our website. They plug in Facebook ads, Google ads. And it tries to give you an overall view of what your ROAS is, right? And it breaks it down based on channel and, and organic traffic, organic sales, et cetera. So there's no like bottom line and you know where it's coming from. But we know when we're running ads off of Amazon, we see a massive lift in sales on, on Amazon itself. And that helps to organic traffic. It helps our branded ad campaigns on Amazon, right? It ha it's, it's called the halo effect. Sure. And we turn off ads, we see sales go down on Amazon. We turn it on, we see that lift again. So it's very hard to track. Yeah. So, okay, you you describe the challenge with the overall attribution aspect. So uh, if you, let's say that you have your website and then you advertise, you know, on Google, people see it, they click on it, they come to your website and they don't buy. And then you send out an email. And, you know, they put their email address and then they see the email, they click on it, and then they don't buy. And then finally, they see a Facebook ad. So put Amazon aside for a sec. So uh, they see a Facebook ad, they see it, you know, a consumer typically wants to see it a few times. So I think the number is seven. I don't know if it's, it's right. It's a little more these days. The attention span of a human is shrinking yeah. by the day. So it could be like up to 20 times to see an ad. Like, who knows? Yeah. So, but anyway, let's say that in this case, on the third time, they see the Facebook ad and it happens to be the right time of the day or whatever or need and they buy it. So now in that case, where does the sale get attribute, attributed to? Is it the first one? Google or email or Facebook. So, so it uh, depends on the window, right? The purchase window. If it's within a day, right? Google might say, hey, we, we get the attribution for it because we show the first ad. But if the guy didn't click through, then they can't take the proof for it, right? They can't take that, that credit for it. But Facebook is going to say they clicked through it and they actually bought it. So we should get the credit for it, right? Well, that is that negotiation taking place. <laughs> I'm not involved in the negotiation. I wish I was. <laughs> so I tell you what I know. Uh, yeah. I don't know if this is the case still, but I played with Google Analytics. 
And with Google Analytics, you decide. When you are setting up Google Analytics, there's an attribution section. And then you, you would decide there. It would ask you, okay, when there are multiple visits from different sources, where would you like to attribute the sale to? First click, last click, or spread equally. So that then would become the data that you get to see. So now we're looking at Amazon. Now, Amazon introduced attribution. To make it even better, they give you money back, right? So, yep. so now you have to track attribution. <laughs> and it doesn't matter now what everybody else says in terms of your attribution. It's what Amazon says matters because that's where you're going to get the reporting and the, and the cash. The brand is so bonus. What I don't know is how Amazon calculates it. So do you know do you know that part? So if you're sending outside traffic, the only way that you can get the brand referral bonus and be eligible for it is to use the link that Amazon provides to you. Right. If it doesn't go through that link, there there's no attribution for it from the Amazon perspective. Right. So for us, we're not we don't want to push traffic to Amazon even though we're selling on Amazon, we would rather a customer come to our website and buy off of our website versus Amazon. So okay. when we're running ads, we're directing everyone to our website instead of pushing them to the Amazon platform. I um, see. So yeah, we're not getting the brand referral bonus for it. But at the end of the day, if someone buys on our website, our profit margins are much larger compared to Amazon. I see. Okay. So I was interested in if you were selling, sending direct traffic to your listing from uh, outside Amazon, but you don't do that. No, we're, we're not doing that. We're, we prefer to send to our website. And hopefully if our website is good enough and we have an, enough incentives on our website, we get them to convert on the, on the website instead of Amazon. Okay. So that means that those three buckets that I was talking about, organic, external, and paid traffic, and uh, now becomes just two buckets for you. So yep. do you track the organic and the paid traffic sales and the conversions separately? Yes, we, we definitely keep an eye on our organic conversions. Um, firstly, because we want to see if our brand awareness off the platform is generating an increase in organic. And again, we do see that. We do see that lift. And, and one of the best ways to see it is, is brand search tool from, from brand analytics. Um, so on a good week when our ads are working really well, we'll see our numbers come down dramatically for in that in that search term report. Um, so yes, we definitely do track PPC versus organic sales. And I don't know what side of the fence you're on, but I know I've discussed this with a lot of people and they're like, don't rely on PPC. You want your PPC versus organic split to be 50-50 or 75-25, right? It's, it's an ongoing discussion. And then there are some guys that are like, I don't care where my sale comes through as long as I'm hitting my tacos, right? As long as my A cost is good, my ROAS is good, and my ads are working well, I don't care what the organic versus PPC split is as long as the sales are coming in. So what's, what's your perspective on that? Well, that's you're right. This is the question that I don't know that there is one answer, but this is what I do as a, as a strategy. First of all, there is no doubt that you're not launching a listing on Amazon without running paid ads, period. Yeah. So yeah. 
Uh, fact number two, there is no doubt that you're going to just list an item and then get organic listing unless you are some celebrity and you have like millions of followers. Unless you pay to play, you're not playing. There, there are a handful of brands that can do it. And like yes. one of the most notable ones are like Liquid Death. They just launched a new product on Amazon. They were the best seller in the ICT category within a couple of hours. And, I, and they didn't pay for PPC. So like, but well, it's, it's they have following. They have yeah, following. Yeah, they, built, they, they built an off-brand audience, which the second they launch a product gets sold out anywhere they list it. But yeah. that's, that's, one, that's a one-off brand. You're not going to find that. You need to pay to play. No, yes. no. I mean, you can, listen, you can, you can say, okay, I'm going to have a long-term strategy. What I'm going to do is I'm not going to sell anything for a year. I'm going to build my presence on the web, create my followers, you know, well, all my following with Instagram, keep posting and then keep teasing for the products, you know, that are up in, uh, you know, in the pipeline, basically. And then the minute that you launch, you can just say, okay, it's only available on Amazon and and here and here is it. You get the brand referral bonus too when you send them exactly. to Amazon via the marketing email. Yeah, yeah, so you can do that. But then you got the cost of time building that. And second, you're not going to build that for free. That's going to have to come in. So, uh, but nevertheless, they are all your customers at the end of the day. So, so unless you do those things, there, there is no way for you to just run a business selling on Amazon without running paid ads. So those are the two facts that, that I always say. So now, well, how should it split? I don't know how it should split, but what I always look for is tacos, not ACOS or ROAS, but tacos is the ultimate. And in the tacos, if I'm seeing 50-50 split, I'm happy because that means that the content has proven to be very much aligned with the PPC strategy. So, uh, and in the process, keep expanding the keywords that, that you are ranking high for. So if you do that, then you are going to start to go towards, you know, 50 from 50-50 split to, you know, 60% organic, 75% organic. Uh, but keep spending the advertising dollars. Yep. If you're getting 10, 12% takeoffs, who cares, right? You can spend $100,000 a month. You, you cannot, as a new seller, you launch today, you could not spend $100,000 a day even if you wanted to. Yeah, it's not possible. Yeah. So Amazon is going to make you earn the impressions. They're going to make you earn the, the, the kind of exposure you're going to get. And therefore, they're going to make you earn the right to spend the advertising dollars. So, uh, th I mean, that's the way I see it. I look at the, the takeoffs. And, and my goal typically with my clients is by the end of month three, we want to reach about 10% takeoffs. Yeah. And, and then we are every week, we check the last 7, 30, 60, and 90 day and, and all time numbers yeah. for all. And then we look at each bucket, you know, organic sales, uh, paid ads, Amazon PPC sales, and external.
and that's Amazon attribution because we drive directly. Right. That's what we check, and as long as the numbers align, we just keep pushing. Yeah, we have a target goal of eight for our tacos, so we're pretty we're pretty close to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, this is great. So, what is the conversion rate you shoot for? What is a good conversion for you? I ultimately want a hundred percent conversion rate. Like oh that's, my God. <laughs> that's my goal, right? <laughs> you have to have a high goal. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, again, right? Like, I don't have a set number in mind, really, with when it comes to conversion rate, because there's so many factors that come into play for us. Like, yeah. I, I'll be happy with the seventy-five percent conversion rate. Uh, it's too high. Uh, no, no. I, I we're we're coming from a place where we're building a, a new, a newish brand, right? We're, we're starting out where we don't have the brand visibility. So we really want to set ourselves a realistic conversion rate, but at the end of the day, we're still on Amazon where customers are searching for a solution for a problem. And if we're solving that problem, then, you know, our conversion rate should work, should, should be up there. Um, so target goals, like I love a 50% conversion but it fluctuates. It depends on the product. It depends on seasonality. And also it depends. Sometimes we'll, we'll run a little promotion on some of our products, like buy two, get 50 off or buy one, get one free. Right. If we have a little overstock of something, or we'll even push a little harder, like let's say black Friday season, our conversion rate goes up holiday season. We see a massive increase in conversion. Um, we there's, there's a lot of different factors in play. Yeah. So do you know the industry average conversion rate? I don't know the industry average. I, I, I don't like going by averages. No, I, I don't either. Uh, so it's 12%. And then yeah. it varies. It varies based on category. So it's different for every category. And, you know, you know, you you mentioned that it, there are many factors. That price point is a factor. Like my uh, my client that sells for seven hundred dollars, there's no way they're getting twelve percent even because it's too high. But they're doing very well. Their their takeoff is like ten point seven percent, and it's only it's not even two months yet since they launched. Uh, so their conversion is fairly small number. It's less than ten percent. Uh, so. Um, it, it's you have to look at the big picture, but conversion ultimately is what I call. I say that there are two magic bullets on Amazon for success. One is your click-through rate, and yep. the other is the conversion rate. If you can focus on those two, of course, it's a very loaded situation. Like, how do you increase click-through? That becomes relevancy and your reviews and everything else, so that more people will click and where you show up. Uh, and then the conversion rate is the content. So um, I always advocate for those two, uh, how you, where you end up. I'd like to be over 35%. I think over 35% is, is pretty decent. And uh, I did get 100% on some, <laughs> but, but it's only if you have low traffic. Yeah. You know? So that's, that's the thing with, for, for click-through rate, we actually constantly optimize our main image, right? No one realizes how important that first image is. And like everyone thinks about, let's make the whole listing look pretty. Obviously, you want your listing to look pretty. But that first image, if you should be testing it on a steady basis 
to try to increase that click-through rate by a percent, right? Every percentage adds up very quickly. So what we did was we're selling a jar of shoe polish, right, on our main image. What can you do with that, right? There's not much you can change when it comes to just a jar of polish. But so what we had originally was just like the jar sitting there with the lid-like angle to the side of it. We changed it, I think it was about two, three months back. We tilted the jar up a bit and you see the color of the polish. We made it like a bit more vibrant, the color in the jar. And then we turned the lid facing the customer. And now our image, our product fills up almost 90% of the image. So what you see is mostly the product instead of white space. And when you're scrolling through the, the search results and you see our product compared to others, Ours just pops off the page. So yeah. like, it's these small little changes. Everyone thinks you have to do massive changes in order to, to increase sales. It's small little changes that can make that massive difference. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I always advocate for, which goes to what you're talking about, is and that's to stand out in the search results because your main product picture is all you have when you are when people are looking at the search results. So there's something called image theme. So that is like a little element other than the product itself that sits in the corner. It almost creates uh, like a composition of whatever you are selling. For example, I had a client who was selling supplements and his image theme was one of his supplements had berries in it so like uh, a, a few berries in the in the corner, in the corner. and um, I have uh, another client they their company uh, is they have the rain rain is part of their brand so they had a raindrop right you know in the corner so what happens is first of all it looks almost like 3d and it's something different and when you are scrolling down you see product after product after product, and suddenly you see something that is not just a product, it stands out. It's a break and, in the in the scroll. Right. That's the problem uh, is so, Amazon will, will sometimes suppress those images if it's not completely on a white background, right? And you're adding yeah, yeah, yeah. marks and yeah, stuff. You have so. to, yeah, you, you cannot write. In fact, uh, the, the the client that that is selling a kit, they had 14 pieces in the kit so they put every single item in the picture and then they put 14 pieces in a little like an oval yep. thing, just to show that this that they get 14 pieces because in the main image there is no text uh, right. allowed they would not accept it so uh, they had to remove that so that part is okay um, but uh, the image theme usually they like it so as long as it's on white background and things like that, you can't have your logo. It cannot be your logo. Also, it cannot be anything that looks like your logo. Right. They won't give because it's they have AI and uh, AI will disregard it. So, anyway, yeah. well, a, a lot of a lot of very good stuff. So, I mean, I, I I love having this kind of conversation because it's so much that that people do and. Uh, obviously, you've been around, so it's a great pleasure to, to, to discuss. So let's get to know you a little bit. And so tell us, uh, go way back. Tell us where you grew up. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Um, 
I lived there for the majority of my life until about five years ago, moved out to New Jersey. Uh, Brooklyn's a great place. And there's a reason everyone's living out in New York. But a natural hustler. That's why you are. (laughs) Exactly. I think that's, that's where it comes from. Like it's in our DNA. We're New Yorkers and we just, find a way to, to make things work. We, we work hard. We work nonstop. Uh, yeah. and, and we have that extra motivation, like that extra chip on our shoulder. Um, so that's where I started out in Brooklyn. I actually got my start in e-com as a teenager. I, I would work at a, summer in my, at a summer job, my family business. I would upload watches to the website, to the family business website. And I always love computers. I always loved tech. So I was like, hey, way to make some extra pocket change, you know, during the summer. I would sit there and like Photoshop images of watches, create the listings, put it on the website. And we're talking about 11, 12 years ago. So that's where I started out. And then a couple of years later, I got married and I got a full-time job at that business where I learned Amazon. That was my first foray in, into the Amazon world. Like it was easy because we were selling branded goods. Uh, so it was just a matter of like listing the product on the right listing, making sure the listing was optimized if Amazon would allow some changes to it. Um, and that was it. It was a pretty simple, you know, straightforward process. Um, what, what, what I want to know is growing up this you know, you know, you, you mentioned uploading pictures for watches. Why, why do that? I mean, where, where did that desire come from? Instead of playing, you know, going playing with other kids or whatever. So, uh, the, the, I used to be very introverted as a kid. I loved. I was very shy, like painfully shy. I loved just reading books, kind of being a geek. That was it. I love computers and books. Um, for my 13th birthday, I got a brand new computer, a Dell desktop computer. Um, I saved up for it. And then I told my parents, like, hey, put some money towards it. Let me go and buy this computer. And, you know, I'm 32. So we're going way back. And the computer gets delivered. First thing I did was open up the casing, take apart the entire computer to see how it operated. And my parents walked in and they're like, what is going on here? Didn't you just spend like $600 on this computer? I'm like, and like, I'll put it back together. And that's what I did. Um, So I always had this love of like computer, internet, you know, just in general, like this whole technology sector. Um, I I still do. That's, That's what really keeps me in like the tech sector, social media, Twitter, Instagram, all these things. Um, so that's that's where I got my start. And I was very good at computers. So when I was like looking for some pocket change, you're a teenager, you need money. Right. And I was asking around for a job. My, my uncle's like, hey, c- come work for me. Come, you know, help me out over here. We need some help. And it was it was a great start for me. So why do you think you were drawn to this computer and, you know, taking it apart and everything? Where, where did that come from, do you think? It, it's a desire to know how things operate, how things work, <laughs> like just to get to the bottom of it and really understand what's making it tick. That's, that's like, I always love figuring things out. Is it the complexity of things or is it the, 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 this, this whole machinery in front of you? What, it's, what is, what is so interesting to you? It's, it's the challenge. First of all, the challenge of well, like, challenge. yeah, figuring it out. And then also just, general knowledge i've always had a thirst like to really know 
how things work, how things operate, business theory, right? I just, I read a ton of books in my spare time. That's what I do. Psychology books, consumer psychology, especially. So it's just a desire to have knowledge. And that's one of the, the stuff that like drew me in because a computer and the internet is endless. You can create anything and sell things to people on the other side of the world via a computer. Here we are chatting on a video call. You know, you wouldn't have thought this was possible 15, 20 years ago. No, no. Uh, so the challenge, growing up as a, as, a, as a kid, like real young kid, were you given challenges by your parents? Were you challenged quite a bit so that it became part of your DNA, so to speak? I, I challenged myself more than my parents challenged me. My parents are great. I love them dearly. And they they fed into what I was interested in. So for me, I, I, I'm a bookworm. I would go to the library for a weekend and come home with like a stack of books. And it would be, you know, some, some, some uh, novels like the Hardy Boys who didn't read that growing up. But then I would get some like these weird computer science books, you know, like just really interesting books. And my parents let me, they, they realized that I enjoyed doing it. So they were like, hey, here, yeah, you, you like computers, you like reading, go for it. They fed into it. But it was just like always that in it, for me, it was like an escape, right? I love sports. I still love playing sports. But it was just like, this is something I could do on my own. This is something that I can do on, on the side. At night, I come home from school chill and figure out computers. Cool. So a lot of people, well, a lot of kids, they go home not to have anything to do with anything that they learned at school. <laughs> you were jumping in straight into more complex yep. stuff. Uh, this this is great. I mean, I, I'm always interested because um, uh, on my part, when I was a kid, um, Lego had just come out. But uh, Lego was expensive. So my mother... Instead of Lego, she found a cheaper version of Lego. But this Lego, it wasn't Lego with plastic pieces. This was all metal pieces. It came just like Lego in a box, but little spanners, little, little screws and nuts and bolts. And, and then they had their platforms and they would just like Lego, they would give you the model and then you had to put it together. Well, guess what? Fast forward, I became an engineer. <laughs> exactly. I love Lego too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's always it always goes back. This was uh, this was great, Mordecai. I mean, I, I enjoyed the conversation. So tell us how can people reach you if they want to know more and uh, and you know they are inspired by your conversation. Sure, I'm very active on LinkedIn and on Twitter. So feel free to follow me and connect with me on there. I love giving back to the Amazon community and helping people out, especially ones who are just getting started. Like I get, I get text messages and WhatsApps all day. Like, Hey, uh, I'm just launching this product. What should I do with it? Or what are your thoughts on this? And I'm more than happy to do it because I've had people who've done it the same for me over the last 10 years. Um, so people are, feel free to reach out to me and I'll be more than happy to help. Great. And, and by the way, I just also want to make an announcement uh, here on LinkedIn. We have an Amazon Legends group. So, uh, Mordecai, you'll, you'll be invited to it, obviously, since you've been on the show. But anybody who is looking to connect with any of the guests and want to ask a question and pick anybody or any of the Legends brains, uh, yes, just join the LinkedIn group and there you'll have direct access to every every guest. 
So this was great, Mordecai. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Nick. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And this brings us to the end of another episode. And I'll see you on the next one. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure and subscribe, rate, and review our show. And be sure and share an episode with a friend. And thank you so much for being with us today. We'll see you next week here on Amazon Legends.